do you compare yourself to other people? As a Christian, do you look at your Christian friends and think they're much more godly than I am? They're better at prayer. They're more patient. They're better evangelists than I am. Maybe you look at your non-Christian friends or family and you think their life is so much simpler than mine, or I wish I had what they have. In today's episode, Dean of Women at Moore College, Susan Ann, is going to help us think through some of these issues. And she's going to help us think particularly in the light of Proverbs 31 and the picture of the godly woman, the godly wife that Proverbs 31 gives. And Susan's going to help us to think about how we can easily fall into the trap of comparing ourselves to other people, but how sometimes we can even distort the Bible in how we think about ourselves. And Susan's going to help us to think correctly about ourselves. This episode is particularly geared to women and how Christian women can and should think about themselves. But I think it's going to be helpful and have lots of application for all of us, Christian men and Christian women. I hope that you enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to the Centre for Christian Living podcast. My name is Peter Orr and on today's episode I'm joined by my friend and colleague Susan Ann. Susan, it's great to have you on the podcast. Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, who's in your family and how did you become a Christian? Thank you so much, Peter. It's really lovely to be here on the podcast. In my family I have my parents, I have an older sister who's married to Min and she has two children and I have a younger brother who's also married and he has one child. So I'm blessed with many young boys in my life to look after and pray and be a part of. So they're a great blessing to me. If you ever want to talk to me about my nephews, I can do that all day, every day. How I became a Christian. I was very fortunate to be born in a church-going family. So my family were going to church all our lives. And I believe that my parents thought, and I thought too, that we were all Christians. But because these churches weren't necessarily teaching us about the Bible, I was taught a lot of stories from the Bible growing up. But no one ever explained to me why I wasn't allowed to believe that the Jack and the Beanstalk actually didn't happen, but why I was supposed to believe that Moses parted the Red Sea. So I was taught all these series of stories from the Bible without being taught taught why. But luckily in God's providence, we ended up accidentally, in inverted commas, going to a Bible teaching church when I was 12 years old. And people showed me that the Bible was actually God's written word and explained to me that Jesus is the center of the Bible. So through faithful ministry of people who just taught me faithfully from the Bible, I was very lucky to become a Christian as a teenager. I was 14 at the time. Praise God. That's wonderful. And we're going to speak in this podcast about a Bible talk that you gave recently. The talk was entitled The Perfect Woman. Why did you choose that as a topic? Why did you speak on it? And do you think that this idea of perfection is something that women in particular struggle with? Yeah. So it was originally given at a women's event at the church that I was serving in at the time. And in the lower North Shore where I was serving, perfectionism was rife, as in everybody in that area. And I don't think it's just that area, but everybody in that area were very, very good at presenting the best version of themselves all the time. And I actually saw how much that was really adding as a 
burden to people. And I saw that the Christian faith wasn't necessarily helping the women either because their Christian faith was just another thing that they had to get right and make it look wonderful. And so I wanted to speak into that. And so I called it the perfect woman. But when I actually did it recently here at college, Jane actually said, why don't we change it in a positive way? So we talked about it as how God sees me. And so it was actually a question when I talked about a perfect woman, it was a really easy way in to get the women to think about, well, what do I think is perfect? And what do I think about a perfect woman is? And I thought that was an easy way for them to actually think about what do I think is important? What do I think is value? And to try and challenge that a little bit. So that's why I did it that way. And you started to talk thinking about or describing your idea of who the perfect woman was. So who was it? And what does that say about you? Absolutely. I said it was Tina Fey. (laughs) So that actually reveals something about me. So she is a really, really hilariously funny woman who actually does lots of things. So that's something about me. So she's an actress. She's a writer. She's a producer. She's a mum. And I know you can't see me, but she also has dark hair and sometimes wears glasses like me. (laughs) So that reveals something about what I think is important. (laughs) So now obviously you spent most of the talk not talking about Tina Fey, but opening up God's Word and in particular Proverbs 31. Obviously we're not going to go through the whole talk now, but could you just give us a snapshot of what's the picture that Proverbs 31 paints of the ideal woman? Yeah, so I don't think the passage itself actually describes her as the perfect woman, but when I read it, that's actually what I thought of, because she was just amazing. She's a hard worker, so she rises early, goes to bed late, but while she's doing that, she's actually working for the entire household, not just for her family, but for the staff that she employs as well. And then the other thing that I was struck by was her mind. She was really shrewd in her business dealings, so in the passage it talks about she buys wool and flax to make materials. It talks about in verse 16, she's buying fields and she's making trade in verse 18. And so I translated it in the talk as she manages the property and the shares portfolio for the household. Um, That was my modern attempt at it. And then she's praised for her character. She's really hospitable to people who are vulnerable and are needy in her neighborhood. And that she's described to have strength and dignity, humor and wisdom. So her real inner beauty really, really shines out. And then the final thing I noticed was that she was admired both in the home and within the community, which I thought was a really impressive thing because people, when we're in home, sees us at our worst and even her family thinks she's great. So those are the four things I noticed. She's hardworking. She's got a brilliant mind. She's got great inner beauty and people admire her. And it is a wonderful picture and it's encouraging. And as a man, I read that and obviously I learn from this example that's being given to me. But I guess the question or the problem that many women might have in reading that passage is, how do I live up to this? A passage that in some ways is inspiring and encouraging at the same time can make us feel like that's a million miles away from who I am or what I am. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think a lot of women, when they read this passage, instead of being encouraged, feel a little bit overwhelmed and a little bit defeated. That's certainly my reaction. And that was the reaction when I said to the women, I'm going to preach on this. One of the ladies told me she actually didn't want to come because she didn't really want to feel worse about herself than she already was feeling. But she persevered and she came and then she said she was really glad that she came. So I was very, very, very thankful for that. So I think what I started off by was just putting Proverbs into context, because if you know the book of Proverbs really well, it's actually full of very, very pithy sayings about the idea 
ideal life lived under God. So it's got pretty drastic statements about those will be blessed if you are generous to the poor and things like that. But we all know in our everyday lives that there's lots of people who are very generous but don't necessarily lead blessed lives, even though they're believers. And so I think I just said to the ladies, Proverbs is describing an ideal life, not really looking at the greys in life, but the blacks and the white. And I also pointed out that this poem is very stylized. It's a Hebrew acrostic poem. So I got the ladies to see that in context and not to go, there is this woman and this is who I must be. So that's helpful. So we can read it, we can be encouraged and challenged, but not necessarily think that if we're not living up to this ideal that somehow we've failed. Just changing track a little bit. So that's an example where we might look at a Bible passage, we might see the example. I mean, I guess in some ways when we read, we see the character of the Lord Jesus and we think, I'm so far short of that. But sometimes we don't compare ourselves with Jesus. We don't compare ourselves with the biblical picture, but we might compare ourselves to the world or we might apply the world's standards. So how do you think Christian women have absorbed the world's view of what a woman is or what a woman should be? Yeah, I mean, we kind of ended up in this really, really crazy time where people don't even have definitions for what a woman is anymore. I think we've noticed recently there's some viral memes of some politicians who actually can't answer that question. And so I think what's then ended up is Christian women look at this passage and know, I think, intuitively that God values such things as inner beauty and hard work and being honoured. And I think they combine that with what the world's expectations of perfect womanhood is. And so I actually think that there are many Christian women who are doing the impossible of chasing the godly and the worldly at the same time. So I see lots of women who kind of look at what the world says about what motherhood ought to be, what relationships ought to be, what careers ought to be, what their physical beauty ought to be, and what their age says about themselves, and are constantly looking at what they lack instead of what they already have. Because I know so many Christian women around me who are very, very generous with their time, but don't feel like they earn enough or give enough to church. I know lots of Christian women who are so generous in looking after kids in their kids' church, are godmothers to their friends' families, but then beat themselves up because they don't have their own children. So I see a lot of Christian women who compare themselves with the world standards and what other people have around them and are really hard on themselves and feel less than because they're trying to do the impossible of having it all. I mean, having it all doesn't even work in the world, but having it all with the world and with God. So I see how hard that is for the women around me. So how are Christian women supposed to survive this craziness? How do they not just survive, I guess, but thrive as the women that God wants them to be? Yeah, I always answer that with an answer probably that isn't new, but perhaps something that we need to lean into more harder than we might already be doing, which is to know that we are God's children, that we are God's daughters. Because when we think about 
and the standards of the world about motherhood, about children, about relationships and age and wealth, like all of those things actually can and do change within a lifetime. So defining ourselves by what we have or comparing ourselves with others actually isn't good because it fluctuates and your self-worth and your safe value changes along with those things. But when you're a Christian person and you have given your life to Christ, your identity as a child of God doesn't change. And so I have Romans chapter 8, verse 14 to 17 here that I want to read. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. So that was the message that I really, really wanted the women to take away, that they have an unchanging, unnegotiable identity as a daughter of Christ that is not changed by anything that the world has to throw at them, and that they are daughters of God, and that is the most important thing. As we take a break from today's episode, I want to tell you about the events that are coming up in 2024. Our theme for 2024 is culture creep, the way in which the culture can affect our thinking as Christians and as churches. Paul writes in Romans 12 verse 2, he tells the Roman Christians, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. We have four events across 2024 that are aimed to help us to do that, to not be conformed to the world, to resist culture creep, and to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. In March on the 13th, Akos Balog will be talking to us about artificial intelligence and how we should think about that as Christian people. Artificial intelligence is a relatively new technology, and yet it's quick and widespread use mean that it is something that we need to be very clear in our thinking about as Christians. In May on the 22nd, Chase Kuhn will be speaking on the topic of casual sex or sacred sexuality. Sex and sexuality obviously are a real way in which we can express our difference from the world as we live according to God's word, but it is an area also where we are very susceptible to living like the world. So Chase will be helping us to think through how we consider our bodies and our relationships under God. On the 21st of August, Michael Jensen will be helping us to think through how we live as Christians in a very wealthy world. The title of his talk will be Affluent and Christian, and he'll help us to think through how we should use our material goods in service of the king and the kingdom. Finally, in October on the 23rd, Rory Shiner will be helping us to think about our identity, the search for identity in different ways, the question of identity, who we are 
is such a powerful question that our world is asking. And again, it is very easy for us as Christians to follow the world's lead rather than have our thinking on this important topic shaped by God's word. So that's an overview of the events that are coming up in 2024. You'll find more details on the CCL website and you'll be able to register for the events. And hopefully we'll see you at some or all of the events. And now we'll return to our program. Susan, that's really helpful. And those verses in Romans 8 are so powerful, whether we're a Christian man or a Christian woman in how we think about ourselves. Do you have any practical advice about how can we get those truths into our hearts? Because we can read them, but so often they maybe don't have the purchase in our lives. Whereas just living in the world and being surrounded by advertising and different views of women, you know, those might actually affect and have a sort of pull on people. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I absolutely think that things like social media are absolutely adding to our needs for perfectionism. Because in Instagram, we can take about a thousand pictures of ourselves, filter it, Photoshop it to death and upload it. And then all of us are looking at that and going, oh, I feel bad because my life doesn't look like that or it doesn't feel like that. And I think that's adding to that. So I do think that there is a discernment and a wisdom that is needed about how we engage with the world. I think knowing what kind of person you are, are you really impacted by that? I have a really, really wise friend who every time she feels really overburdened by what she sees on social media, she goes on social media breaks. So she might actually not go on it for like a month or two and then come back when she feels ready and in a much better place. And I think other thing is actually being friends with people that you kind of see as having the things that you don't have. I think when we see someone who's a mum and you're not, it's very easy to then go, then life must be really perfect and it must be wonderful. But then when you actually go and approach them and talk to them, you find out that their life actually isn't perfect because of motherhood. Maybe they have woke up three times in the night because their baby wasn't sleeping. Maybe their toilet training is not going well. And so they actually might be sitting there envying you for not having children. And I think just having good friendships and people around us who are actually a little bit different from us challenges and helps and shapes our thinking about some of these things. Those things have been really, really helpful for me as well. One of the things you touched on in the talk is a tendency you've noticed of some women, I guess, particularly Christian women, to be overly harsh on themselves. Do you want to say something about that? Yeah, absolutely. I know some women who are just so kind and lovely and say all these encouraging things to me and other people all the time. And then when I ask about how they feel about how they're going, they just say such harsh things to themselves. And so it's something that I've actually learned to do to myself too, is what I would do is I would think about the next unkind thing I think about myself, and I would imagine saying it to another person. And that would really surprise me because I realized, huh, I'm saying things that I would never imagine saying to another person because it is so mean, so cruel, so unkind. But I say that to me. So why do I deserve that treatment that I would never dream of giving to other people? So to women who are hard on themselves, next time they want to say something really hard on themselves, that's what I would challenge them to do. And then I would also say, look at Jesus. Jesus sets our value and worth because Jesus looked at us and looked at us before the creation of the world and said, 
I want you to be my daughter. I want you to be in heaven with me for all of eternity. And so no matter what we think about ourselves, Jesus actually thinks that you're spectacularly special, so special that he actually died on the cross for you. So why are you talking to yourself in a way that you wouldn't imagine for others or in a way that Jesus wouldn't speak to you? I think that's what I would say to the women. That's really helpful. And in a related way, towards the end of your talk, you challenged the audience. You had this phrase, will you love yourselves more by thinking of yourselves less? Will you love yourselves more by thinking of yourselves less? Can you explain a little bit more What do you mean by that? Yeah. As you were saying it back to me, Peter, I just realized it sounded like I was belittling them and saying, minimize yourself, which is the opposite of what I was going for. I meant thinking of ourselves less frequently and with less importance, because I think we can think a lot about ourselves and obsess about our own lives. It's very easy to do, but life isn't about us. It's actually about Jesus and what he's done for us. And so what I meant was to think about the fact that we are forgiven, that we are God's daughters, and Jesus is actually the only perfect person that's ever lived. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And through his death on the cross, he gave that perfection to us. So when God looks at us, he does think that we're perfect because of Jesus. So this perfection that we're all trying so hard to achieve has already been achieved through Jesus. And so that's why I was urging the ladies to think about ourselves less, but to think about Jesus more, because we have already got that perfection. That's really helpful, Susan. I'm just thinking as well, uh, Christian ideas, the gospel ideas of grace and forgiveness. There's a real opportunity for us as Christian women, Christian men, to really deeply have these gospel truths transform our lives, and then we can share the hope that that gives us to other people. Yeah, absolutely. I think the reason why we have been impacted is because the world does actually say that it does mean something when you don't have the things that the world wants you to have. It means something if you don't have this career. It means something if you're not as wealthy, or it does mean something when you're a certain age, or it does mean something if you don't have this amount of wealth. But I think if you, as a Christian person, have really understood and grasped the perfection that we have in Jesus and that we're actually content and happy within it, it is very, very noticeable. And people notice that. And non-Christian people will actually say, well, hang on, why are you so content and happy when none of the measures of the world are in you? And I think it gives a real opportunity to speak into people who are pursuing these things because there are people who are pursuing things in the world who are even more broken because they don't have Jesus and who are looking for more. And we have a real opportunity to speak into that and tell them the difference that we have and the difference that Jesus makes in our lives. Susan, thank you very much. So helpful. It's been great to have you on the podcast and thank you very much for your insights. Thank you so much, Peter. Thank you for listening. benefit from more resources from the Center for Christian Living, please visit ccl.more.edu.au, where you'll find a host of resources, including past podcast episodes, videos from our live events, and articles published through the Center. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and for you to leave us a review so more people can discover our resources. On our website, we also have an opportunity for you to make a tax-deductible donation to support the ongoing work of the center. 
We always benefit from receiving questions and feedback from our listeners. So if you'd like to get in touch, you can email us at ccl at more.edu.au. As always, I would like to thank More College for its support of the Center for Christian Living and to thank my assistant, Karen Bielharts, for her work in editing and transcribing the episodes. The music for our podcast was generously provided by James West. James West.